What's that? little cartoon. It's a young man speaking to God. He says, God, I hope you're sitting down. But I read this stat that only 50 percent of theologians even believe you exist. Of which God responded, that's all right. I've only been about half sure of theologians anyway. (laughs) I'm doing a series on the Christian worldview. And so for the next two weeks, I'm going to talk about God. And as I thought about that, talk about God in two sermons is pretty ridiculous. There's so much that could be extrapolated and communicated about our glorious God that it could take a lifetime. But for two weeks, I'm going to basically give an overview. I've I've spoken before sermons on individual characteristics and attributes of God. So more of a survey All right. These next two weeks, A.W. Tozer said what we believe about God is the most important thing about us. And Augustine or Augustine said, if you can completely understand it, it's not God. The poet Tennyson says, ask me not to speak of it. I saw it. So my outline this morning, here's where I'm going. We're going to talk about God's existence That God is real, that God has been revealed, and that he's relational. God is real. The hymn writer said, my God is real because I can feel him in my soul. I don't know if you remember that hymn, but I echo that. Yes, God is real, and I feel him in my soul. I know the difference in my life from July 31st, 1977, before that and after that. And I know God is real and no one can convince me otherwise. Philosophers and theologians have proposed some very good sound arguments for God's existence. Just briefly, the ontological argument says there's a concept of God. So God must exist. The causal argument says the world exists. So it must have had a cause a cause maker, a prime mover. The cosmological argument for God's existence says there's so much design in the world and complexity in the world. So there must have been a creator, a designer. And then the moral argument says there's a standard of right and wrong that everyone in the world shares to some degree. Where did we get that sense without God? And I think those are sound reasons. And and you could study those in great detail and depth. But I don't want to dive too much into philosophy this morning, but into the Bible. What does the Bible say about God and his existence? But first, let me quote a great definition from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. God is spirit, infinite, eternal and unchangeable in his being, wise, powerful, holy, just, good, true, And full of love. In the Bible itself, God says he exists. Hebrews 11, 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who seek him. God's direct actions in the world shows that he exists. 
his miracles. Imagine standing at the face of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is bearing down on you. And Moses sticks out his rod and the waters of the Red Sea part and you walk across on dry ground. Do you think there's a God? Think of all of Jesus's miracles that his disciples witnessed, including his resurrection from the dead. They certainly had reason to believe that God exists. And so God's miracles that have been witnessed show his existence, as the scripture says. History demonstrates God's existence because it's his story. History is his story. Acts 17, 26 and 7. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And nature shows God's existence. Listen to Romans 1, 19 and 20. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Paul says, observe nature and see the wonder of it all and the vastness of it. And you could say there is a God. If you were to travel at the speed of light, it would take you two seconds to get to the moon, eight and a half minutes to get to the sun, five hours to get to Pluto, four hours to get to the nearest star. It would take you 100,000 light years to get out of the galaxy. It would take 1.5 million light years to get to the great nebula and you're barely out of town. Take 4,500 million light years to reach an area in the universe where it's fuzzy. God is awesome. This universe did not create itself. It takes a lot more faith to believe that it did than to believe that God is the creator. Truths need application in our lives. God exists. So worship him. As you read God's word, listen for his voice speaking to you through his word. Think back and recount how God has blessed you and answered prayer in your life and give him praise. Read history and discern the ways that God is at work in it and get outside in nature and praise our God. Let's talk about God's appearance for a moment. How do you picture God? Think about that for a second. Well, I have always pictured God in my mind's eye from a picture in a chick track. I don't know why, but it's still I picture God as a 200 foot tall giant ghost sitting on a big throne. Thanks to that chick track. So I don't know how you picture God, but God exists. And so we wonder, what does God look like? Because the Bible says no one has seen God. Yet the Bible speaks of God's eye and ears and hand and arms. That's called anthropomorphism, which means like man. The Bible describes God with human attributes and abilities so we can relate to him. I think perhaps the most interesting description of what God may look like is found in Revelation chapter four. 
where God is basically described as light, different beautiful lights. The Bible says God is beautiful. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord and that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The Bible says God is spirit. John 4, 24. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God is invisible. John 1.18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Theopanies are appearances of God as a man or as fire and so forth. So how can you know one who is invisible? By faith. John 20.29. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. God is revealed. God isn't discovered like Columbus discovered America. He's revealed. In fact, Columbus didn't really discover America. It was already there all along. He just bumped into it. And we search for God and bump into a lot of wrong things. The clearest way that we can know God is because he's been revealed to us through Jesus. In Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, it says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus came to give us understanding about God. First John five twenty, And we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And Jesus chooses to reveal God to us. Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So if you want to know more what God is like, open your Bibles, get in the word of God, the written revelation of God. Thirdly, God is relational. There are popular ideas out there in our culture of what God is like, but there's also the truth about what God is truly like. There's a myth that God is distant, but the truth is God is near. Deuteronomy 4, 7. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Myth. God watches us from afar. I think there was a song about that. Truth. God is involved in every detail of our lives. Jesus said this in Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. 
nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you so anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Myth. God is ready to pounce on you for the slightest mess up. Truth. God wants and longs to forgive sin. Myth. God is either uninterested or unable to deal with the evil in the world. Truth. God allows it to continue to give people time to repent so they may be saved. In a world where people view God as unapproachable, the truth is God is relational. God is near us. That's his eminence. God is everywhere. His omnipresence. He knows everything. His omniscience. He's all powerful. He's omnipotent. The omnis are what separates God from other created spiritual beings. But perhaps the greatest one of all is Jesus taught us to see God and view him as father. Matthew 6, 9, pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Maybe my favorite understanding of God as father. Well, it came from being a father, I suppose, and being a grandfather. But there's a picture that I remember from my childhood. Maybe it was Life magazine. I'm not sure. But it showed a picture of John F. Kennedy Jr. underneath the desk of his father. Think about that. The most powerful man in all the world. And yet someone is so comfortable with him in that situation that he could be underneath his desk. Who but a child of that man would be that comfortable. And we are children of God. God is the father of Jesus. And Jesus revealed God as our father. John 20, 20, 20, 17 said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So while all human beings are part of God's creation, God is only the father of those who believe in him. John 1, 12 but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the children of God are those who believe in him. The devil is the father of unbelievers. John eight forty four. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. God relates to us as a perfect father relates to his children. He's willing to make sacrifices. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
He's compassionate toward us. Psalm 103, 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He guides us. Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He rewards us. Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He makes us his heirs. Romans 15, 8, 15 to 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. He encourages us. Second Thessalonians 2:16. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, our father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. He doesn't show favoritism. He gives us access to him. Hebrews 4:16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He richly blesses his children. He judges each impartially. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So what does God look like? He looks like Jesus. I know there are some that have a hard time with that concept of God as father because of their earthly father. They view that their father was not able to do the things that he should have. And they tend to view God the same way. Maybe you didn't know your earthly father. You can know your heavenly father. Perhaps your dad disappointed you. Your real father never will. Maybe you were hurt by your earthly father. You will be protected by your heavenly father. Perhaps you were ignored by your dad. But God's eye is always on you. Maybe you felt like you could never live up to the expectations of your earthly father, but your heavenly father loves you unconditionally and extends a heart of grace toward you. Let's pray. We thank you today, God, our father, and we're thankful that Jesus revealed you as such to us. That you are that perfect father that perhaps we never had. But you are faithful and good and merciful and just and holy. And you invite us to be in relationship with you, to know you. I would pray if there's someone here this morning that doesn't have that personal relationship with you, even while they're seated here or even right now. That they would simply confess their sins. I'm sorry for what I've done against you, God. I repent. I turn from my sin. And then turn to Jesus Christ. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And that through your death and resurrection, of which I believe in for my salvation, I can have a relationship with God, your father, and he would become my father. If that spiritual transaction needs to happen here today, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit 
would be at work in that, in everyone's heart. But Lord, reaffirm to us again that you are our good, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.